In this first BeaverPod Focus episode, we talk about sedating for non-veterinary procedures, which can include anything from dentistry, farriery to clipping. Hi and welcome to a Beaver Pod Focus episode and today I've got with us Neil Townsend who's a trustee of Beaver and is also on the Clinical Practice Committee and the Ethics and Welfare Committee. He's also chaired the Governance Committee for the Beaver BVDA exam since 2015 so he's very well placed to talk to us today about our new guidance which covers sedating for non-veterinary procedures. Hi Neil, thanks for coming. Hi Lucy, thank you for the invitation. Uh, so you're, you're ideal to talk to us about this new guidance. Can you tell us a bit about why we've brought this out? So I think the the guidance, it probably it's probably not new, it's probably just been updated um, with sort of discussions with the, the RCVS and the, the VDS. So it's mainly around discussions with them regarding whether you need to stay for a procedure after you have you've given some sedation and i think the the instances what we're thinking of with that involve sort of both owners uh, and paraprofessionals i think paraprofessionals are usually farriers um, and edts be the most common ones and then for other procedures mainly clipping involving owners and uh, uh, and sometimes main pulling things like that and and obviously the confusion um has sort of that's been there for some time has led us to to sort of lay out the exact things. Talk to us a little about the differences between, say, um oral station and IV sedation. What do people have to think about when they're doing dispensing those? Yeah, I think whenever you're um obviously whenever you're giving IV sedation, you're actually present there. You're able to assess the situation completely. Um, you get to meet the other paraprofessional. They may be known to you. They may not be known to you. You may already have a relationship with them. And the problem with oral sedation is that you you aren't there, obviously. Um, you don't know what state the horse has been given in. You can't guarantee that it's been given properly. Um, and there's no opportunity to, to give top-ups. And even today, there is sort of still a lot of owners that waste an awful lot of money on domicide and gel giving it like a wormer or ACP and then being surprised whenever it whenever it doesn't work. Uh, and I think if you are going to go down the route of oral sedation, you've just got to be aware you've got to prescribe that properly. You've got to actually um, sort of prescribe the use that it's for so that people don't phone up and ask for it for clipping and then are using it for, for dental procedures. Um, you need to be quite specific on that. Yeah, and, and as you say, therein lies the risk really because it could be prescribed for one thing and then get used for something else and you've got no control over that um and so also the other thing is um sort of whether you should stay or go so obviously if you do sedate for an owner clipping or a, a musculoskeletal therapist or a farrier or somebody um what's the situation there about whether you should stay whether you shouldn't wish you go because there's been a little bit of confusion over that too I think the, you've got to go back to the history of this. There's obviously a reason why sedation is being requested. So there is a history of either the horse behaving badly or the procedure not being able to be performed safely. So you've got to know what happens. Uh, is this is this a horse for clipping that um, it's a hairy cob that's got very hairy legs and it's very, very itchy whenever you're you're doing that? And there probably is quite a big risk with 
clipping something like that, even with sedation, that it still might injure an owner and, and it might require a top up to get that completely done. So I think you've got to have a bit of a common sense attitude to, to that type of thing. Um, that's probably not a case where you can give some sedation and and leave. Um, if you're dealing with paraprofessionals, um, I think it's a, it's a it's a slightly different situation. I think we've got to look at them as part of the the sort of team around that horse. And I think I'd really encourage people to form really good relationships with their paraprofessionals. You get to know them, they get to know you, and there's a degree of trust there. And if they, if it's a horse that they've uh, been doing for a number of years, uh, either fiery or dentistry, and it's just a routine uh, type of procedure, but the horse is becoming increasingly different, difficult, then I think it is appropriate to to give some sedation. And once the horse is settled, you you can actually leave at that point. I think the other thing you've got to consider with that is that if it is a what we probably class as a training issue that you probably can give the owner a bit of guidance on the don't break your vet or don't break your paraprofessional type of line and i think there are some some good videos out there uh, particularly around the clipping aspect of things that, uh, that 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 may help with that uh, i think if you don't know the paraprofessional or you're there's sort of a say it's obviously dentistry is sort of more my field if it's a horse that is struggling a little bit with eating and you're not sure what's going on is that it's more than appropriate to give the horse some sedation and stay around whilst the initial examination is performed and the same with fiery is that stay around until you know what the plan is and if you're you're happy with that plan then i think it is appropriate to leave you're going to be able to gauge whether that's going to need a top up or or, or not but it, it, a lot of it is common sense um but uh, i think once you've got that relationship with the paraprofessional it makes a big big difference to that yeah and that's very much what the guidance is trying to say you know it's not black and white as much as we love these things to be but it's very much down to our professional judgment isn't it and um and like you say um you know, each situation is going to be different and you've got to work that one out. Um, in terms of the videos for clipping, you're right, there's a Don't Break Your Vet video um, from Gemma Pearson on the Beaver website. So I'll put the link to that after this podcast in the description. And we talked a bit about um, sedating kind of the adrenaline filled horse. Do you want to have a quick quick mention of that before we move on to the next bit? Yeah, I think that that's a bit of sort of owner education. And usually that's the, the call that causes an awful lot of stress with practice receptionists and and things like that and and I don't think you can you can leave that phone call back again uh, just to the to the receptionist I think as a vet you've got to uh, you've got to take responsibility for that we all know a horse in an adrenalized situation is going to be an awful lot more difficult to to deal with and you you might be better speaking to the owner yourself on the phone and depending on the situation saying to them actually we'd be better off um just quitting quitting today um i'll be able to come out tomorrow once the horse has calmed down everything like that will give sedation from the from the get-go and uh, then everything will be an awful lot calmer and an awful lot better for both the horse owner and the paraprofessional if everything is involved. Obviously, not every situation is like that, and you, you may need to get involved. But I think you've got to you've got to have that conversation whenever you arrive with the owner that actually this horse is going to require an awful lot more sedation than than what it would done before. So there's increased costs to that, 
And then also what happens a lot of the time is that you're able to perform the procedure and then the horse does sleep for quite a long time afterwards. So actually their 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 length of time that they've got to spend with the horse afterwards is an awful lot longer uh, as well. So again, I don't think you can leave that conversation to your your practice receptionist. I think you've got to be willing to to speak to the owner and, and the paraprofessional and, and just explain that point of view. Yeah, absolutely. And simple things like shutting the top door on the horse so it can't sort of catch its head over the door while it's still asleep it's just talking through the practicalities of, of sedation and you know like you say it's a it's a it is a procedure in itself isn't it sedating a horse and it has a start and an end point so we need to approach that part um as as our procedure as it were um so yeah you've talked a bit about um sort of planning ahead which is true and obviously whether that's you calling ahead or the secretary maybe booking an appointment um, getting the information because obviously that avoids confrontation at the time you know if you've got all the information beforehand then you know what you're coming to at the yard and you know what you're what you're going to be dealing with there's a flow chart that we've had out for quite a while on the website and then um, we've just we've just done it in a, in a new format in a new bit of software so that it will look different but very much got the same information there do you want to just talk us through why that flow chart is important and how that helps when you're booking these things in yeah, it's really helpful for sort of practice receptionists. Um, sort of, they're not really as sort of au fait with the sort of legislation rules um, as most vets would be. So it's a really handy guide for them just to click through to see if if something's appropriate. Again, it's not really appropriate for them to sort of deny the owner uh, any of the the access to sedation, but it does flag up to them that actually this is a case that you might need to phone them back and discuss rather than them just booking things in. I think the last thing you want to want to get into the situation of is turning up to a yard and being asked to sedate for something that you're not happy about or for somebody that you're not happy about sort of doing. Um, and obviously the, the, that concentrates mainly on dental technicians with the, the flow chart, but in some ways it's very similar to, to Farry. They've got to be sort of registered uh, on, on the farrier's register if you're going to go out to, to sedate for them. I think the, the greyest of the, the grey area really is that uh, there are people out there who have passed the BVA BVDA exam that are now no longer part of either WWAED or the biggest organization is is BADT i think they've got sort of over 95% of the of of the EDT members and i think that's a really gray area and some of them you may have a relationship with in the practice and i think that's a very individual decision that if they've passed that exam but are not part of the um part of the uh, the organization then you have to make a call whether you're going to sedate for them or not personally i think that the the badt particularly has done an awful lot of good work with their sort of examination their cpd requirements their reaccreditation and i i think it's is really important that we support these organizations and uh, they're, they're trying to act very professionally and uh, personally, I would only sedate for somebody who is a member of, of, of BADT, that there are not that many members of WWAED sort of in my area. But again, that's region specific. Uh, but they've got to be category two members of WWAED. Yes, true, true. And how does the insurance work for somebody that's not 
currently a member? Can they still get insured if they're not a member of either of those organisations? Um, as far as I'm aware, they can they they can't get ins- they can't get insurance mm. for actual dental work unless they mm. are a student member of one of those organisations. Or um, once they've passed the examination, they can get insurance. Um, yeah. But uh, one, if they're not a student member with one of those, I, I I don't think they are insured. No, so it's best to, like you say, best to stick to the to those that are on the list. And it's easy to find that list after all. It's online. You'll, yeah, you'll see and they, the they make a very lists. good. They make make a good effort to keep that up to date. And it's not like if they uh, they get re- uh, the main reason why people get removed from the list is just that they don't keep up with their CPD requirements or don't attend one of their sort of assessment days. And it's not that they get removed from that straight away i think there is a probationary period for that so people can you can see them with an asterisk next to them so um sort of they're given every opportunity to remain part of those organizations so i again i think it's it's something that we should support as a as vets Absolutely. So for those of you listening, the resources that we've talked about are all available on the Beaver website or via phone or the Buddy app. Um, and they're under the clinical resources area for working with allied professionals. And the flowchart and the same sort of information really is still is also available under practice resources. So if you've got people in the office, secretaries um, that want to access that information that's relevant to them, it's also under that section. So I think that that draws to conclusion what we've what we've aimed to get across today. Um, and I'd just like to thank you, Neil, for taking that time to explain it all to us. And hopefully for those listening, it's uh, it's a bit clearer <laughs> and it gives them the confidence to deal with these situations going forward. I think the only thing we didn't really discuss was wolf teeth. I think that is the only Ooh, situation where you've actually got to you've actually got to stay um, with a with a dental technician. That's a very with good regards to that. Um, yes and they, they must be erupted wolf teeth as well they, they they can't be blindly erupted yeah well remembered neil that's a good point didn't have that written down did we excellent okay so yeah have a look at the guidance familiarize yourself with it and um and hopefully all will be well thanks for your time neil thank you very much <laughs>